Hello, folks. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Federalist Files. We're going to be going over Federalist number 59 today. Uh, it is titled Concerning the Power of Congress to Regulate the Election of Members, written by Alexander Hamilton, February 22nd, 1788. Topics include the national legislature holding the power to alter election regulations for self-preservation and to safeguard against infidelity. So, this entire paper confronts Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1 of the Constitution. It's the Elections Clause. So we're going to go over it here. It's actually a pretty short paper, really. Not a lot of uh, profound points made, kind of. A lot of it's pretty pretty obvious. I think there's one part at the very end that I think is very significant and kind of an out outside-of-the-box thinking uh element to this piece so in this paper hamilton he extols the power of the federal government to authorize the state legislatures to regulate its elections in last resort scenarios so this is not a general rule that the federal government is to regulate elections the, the only elections that they are to regulate in this case would be federal elections and it would only be for the house of representatives um, I'm not exactly sure. He doesn't talk about the executive branch. He doesn't talk about the president in this one, but he says the House of Representatives in particular. Uh, he doesn't. He says, but not the Senate. And I'll explain why. I'll get to it. So once again, he states, he asserts Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1 of the Constitution. This is verbatim, exactly straight from the Constitution. He, he states first, this isn't the constitutional part. This is what he says before, and then he says the constitutional part right after. So he states, and I quote, The natural order of the subject leads us to consider in this place that provision of the Constitution which authorizes the national legislature to regulate in the last resort the election of its own members. It is in these words. So this is where we get to the Article 1, Section 4. He states, and I quote, The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof but the congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing senators end quote so and and the reason for this provision is it's supposed to be a safeguard against infidelity if the state governments want to go ahead and go forward with a decision to say well you know what we're going to be a confederacy we're going to be completely um we're going to circumvent the power of the national government or the federal government, and we're going to attempt to secede, essentially. We're, we're just not going to go forward with an election of House of Representatives. We like the people that we have. There's a lot of different cases and scenarios in which this can play out in a very negative way, and this is why we have the safeguard. And he does make a very, he's very adamant on the point that this is only to be used, and he writes it here, um is a last resort measure okay so hamilton holds the position against objectors stating and i quote every government ought to contain in itself the means of its own self its own preservation end quote so really this is important because like i said the house of representatives the senators and, and in certain cases with the senators i think he says the only time not the places of the senators but i guess they can also abridge some sort of law or regulation that can alter uh, the time, places, and the manner. But this is, like I said, only in a last resort, last case scenario. So it goes on. 
And he says the reason for the for why he chooses, except for the places of choosing senators, that's all to the state's jurisdiction. That's the state power because the senators were elected by the state legislatures years ago. Now it's kind of just like a democratic vote. Um, I've stated this many times. I'd much rather have the old system because then that kind of brings back federalism within the state government. Uh, local, it's it starts off and it continues the idea of local governance actually mattering in the federal politics. So if you have a state, for example, if you have a state like New Jersey, actually, is a very good example of it. You have Atlantic City, you have Trenton, you have Camden, and you have, what's the other one, the big one, Newark. So you have those four cities. They pretty much determine what every single outcome of an election comes to because they have such high, uh, such a high population in New Jersey. They That's why the Senate is uh, blue. If you completely kicked all of them out, those those cities... Then in this case, you would probably have at least one of the two senators in New Jersey would be red. So I'm going to go on here. Uh, it is alleged. Okay, so next he states, and I quote, It will not be alleged that an election law could have been framed and inserted in the Constitution, which would have been always applicable to every probable change in the situation of the country. And it will therefore not be denied that a discretionary power over elections ought to exist somewhere. It will, I presume, be as readily conceded that there were only three ways in which this power could have been reasonably modified and disposed. End quote. So just notice that the, he says discretionary power, and then he also talks about he, he's always stating in this case that this is a uh, contingent scenario. This is, or, or rather, yeah, like a contingency, a disaster-like scenario uh, in which this would be used. So he said, well, we presume the only way in which we could have actually set this up, because if you set it up only for the particular states, and you didn't allow the federal government to uh, over, I guess, I don't want to say supersede it, but be able to make alterations um and the reason for these alterations i'll explain i guess maybe later later in this piece he kind of goes on to say almost uh there was a case in 2016 i was reading or i think it was 2015 in arizona where there were certain standards and provisions that were stated in the law in arizona that they called it almost like a sense of disenfranchisement um it was oppressive because only so many people could vote. There was only so many ballots for certain certain positions. But this is, like I said, this once again is only related to the federal government. So when it comes to state, whether you're electing a state governor uh, or a state legislature, this has nothing to do with that. The federal government cannot supersede anything having to do with that. So he goes on and he states these three different ways. That this could have been done, this this provision could have been put into the Constitution. He states, and I quote, that it must either have been lodged wholly in the national legislature or wholly in the state legislatures, or primarily in the latter and ultimately in the former. The last mode has, with reason, been preferred by the convention. They have submitted the regulation of elections for the federal government in this in the first instance to the local administrations which in ordinary cases, and when no proper improper views prevail, may be both more convenient and more satisfactory, but they have reserved to the national authority a right to interpose whenever extraordinary circumstances might render that interposition necessary to its safety. End quote. So once again, uh, he repeats himself with whenever it is an extraordinary circumstance. 
uh, that might render that interposition necessary to its safety. Uh, so he says you could have either had a system where it was wholly lodged in the national legislature, and we're talking about the time and the place and the manner of elections, where you gave it the entire power to the federalizing elections, or you could have wholly gave that power to the state legislature, or primarily in the latter uh, and ultimately in the former. So you kind of give power to both of them, is, is what he said. And that's the way in which they did it in the Constitution. So Hamilton argues that this power is necessary for the existence of the Union in extraordinary circumstances, otherwise the exclusive power of state legislators to regulate elections for the national government would leave the existence of the Union entirely at their mercy. And that's, that's what he's going to state in this next quote. He states, and I quote, Nothing can be more evident than that an exclusive power of regulating elections for the national government in the hands of the state legislatures would leave the existence of the Union entirely at their mercy. They could at any moment annihilate it. By neglecting to provide for the choice of persons to administer its affairs, it is too, too little purpose to say that a neglect or omission of this kind would not like not be likely to take place the constitutional possibility of the thing without an equivalent for the risk is an unanswerable unanswer objection end quote so what he's saying is that realistically this probably would not happen but we don't know this is an unanswerable uh objection we don't know the risk of this exactly so we want to at least hedge our bets and prepare for the worst if it were to happen and uh, so he said, if we were completely reliant on the state legislator, the state legislatures in this case, then they can simply just annihilate the idea of having House members from, coming from their state. They can say, okay, we like this guy. We're going to keep this guy in here. And whoever else runs against them, we won't put their name on the ballot. I think that's essentially kind of what he's saying. Or they can change the times, manners, and the places, mess around with it in a certain way. Where they only have it in, in certain areas. For example, here's the best way to explain it. If you have a very Republican area, hold the election in that Republican area and nowhere else. And just have Republicans show up and only vote for Republicans. So you kind of, ha you have, um, you give no opportunity to people voting for the opposing party. I think that's kind of the reason for this provision. And currently in our country, there's really no law that I know of set in place that the that would uh, legitimize the idea of the federal government stepping in and changing it even though the democrats like the idea of a federalizing elections they've been pushing for they've been talking about all these georgia election laws that they're talking about changing and at the end of the day the law really applies to everyone equally so there's nothing they can do about it and it's also a safeguard and a hedge against people try attempting to cheat the idea of voter ID is not, once again, not racist. It's like, I think there, there was a poll recently that came out, and it was 73% of voters agree with voter ID, 69% black agree with voter ID. So it's kind of weird. This whole, this whole idea that voter ID is racist is just, is the idea of it is racist. It's the bigotry of low expectations. They think minority communities are not smart enough to get their own ID. And in a general sense, to function in normal society, you need an ID for almost everything. So to go on, let's see. Okay. So therefore, this provision is a safeguard against state governments abusing their power. Otherwise, the federal government would be subjected to the pleasure of the state governments, in turn substantially affecting the impartiality of federal government affairs between the states. So it goes on.
He states, and I quote, If we are in a humor to presume abuses of power, it is as fair to presume them on the part of the state governments as on the part of the general government, and as it is more consonant to the rules of a just theory to trust the union with the care of its own existence and then to transfer that care to any other hands. If abuses of power are to be hazarded on the one side or on the other, it is more rational to hazard them where the power would naturally be placed than where it would unnaturally be placed. Suppose an article had been introduced into the Constitution empowering the United States to regulate the elections for the particular states, would any man have hesitated to condemn it, both as an unwarrantable transposition of power and as a premeditated engine for the destruction of the state governments? So I think what he's saying is that the power, it's fair to presume, and, and when he says this is kind of important, he says, it, I think he says the hands of the power. I'm trying to find the exact provision here that he writes. To trust the union with the care of its own existence than to transfer that care to any other hands. If abuses of power are to be hazarded on the one side or on the other, it is more rational to hazard them where the power would naturally be placed than where it would unnaturally be placed. So I think what he's saying is, and then he goes on to kind of state, imagine if the federal government had the right to regulate the state elections uh, for state representatives. And he's kind of he has a point that the self preservation the preservation of the federal government would be reliant and and solely only reliant on the state legislatures themselves, and that's the reason for this provision. And also, he says we should hazard the abuses of the power, considering federal representatives have the federal power. We shouldn't hazard and and be worried really about federal representatives having the federal power that actually that makes sense but having the state representatives have the power of the federal representatives is something that should kind of be hazardly because it's an unnatural placement of the power and i understand what he's kind of getting at in a lot of ways hamilton was much more federal based uh, a stronger i guess more centralized federal government than madison was in his writings so the states would be able to use regulation of elections as a bargaining chip or a way to corrupt an election result. How is the country to run without an election of senators or representatives? This provision is necessary for the self-preservation of the union. Otherwise, states would have the power to destroy the national government. So Hamilton describes the power of the state legislature to elect senators as a necessary evil if this were not so and the senators were appointed by the federal authority rather than the people this system would be a dereliction of the federal principle which he goes on to state in this quote he states an impartial view of the matter cannot fail to result in a conviction that each as far as possible ought to depend on itself for its own preservation as an objection to this position, it may be remarked that the Constitution of the National Senate would involve in its full extent the danger which it is suggested might flow from an exclusive power in the state legislatures to regulate the federal elections. It may be alleged that by declining the appointment of senators, they might at any time give a fatal blow to the Union, and from this it may be inferred that as its existence would be thus rendered dependent upon them in so essential a point there can be no objection to entrusting them 
with it in the particular case under consideration. So, end quote. So you say, why is it that the state legislatures have the power to kind of regulate elections? They have more power in terms of the Senate um, than with the House of Representatives. And he goes on to explain it in this next quote. He states, the interest of each state, it may be added to maintain its representation in the national councils, would be a complete security against an abuse of the, tr the trust. This argument, those those specious will not upon examination be found solid. It is certainly true that the state legislatures, by forbearing the appointment of senators, may destroy the national government, but it will not follow that because they have a power to do this in one instance, they ought to have it in every other, end quote. So he says, and, he, and he's talking about the House of Representatives. So he's saying, okay, so the federal, the state legislatures, this is their federal representation. A senator is the federal representation of the state legislature. So they're almost, they would be shooting themselves in the foot if they decided to uh, change regulations and, and things of that nature, because that is what is directly representative of the state legislature. Sure. And he says, okay, so this same exact pr provision and philosophy should not be extrapolated also to House of Rep members. And, it's, and just because this is a good answer for this doesn't mean it's a good answer for the House of Reps. And he also says, I mean, it's not the greatest answer to give exclusive power only to the state legislatures themselves, but this, it, this is the federal principle. And you really can't go against that principle, which I understand. Because no system's really, at the end of the day, no system's perfect because men inherently are flawed. So he goes on, he states, and I quote, there are cases in which the pernicious tendency of such power, such a power may be far more decisive without any motive equally cogent with that which must have regulated the conduct of the convention in respect to the formation of the Senate to recommend their admission into the system. So far as that construction may expose the union to the possibility of injury from the state legislatures, it is an evil, but it is an evil which could ha not have been avoided without excluding the states in their political capacities wholly from a place in the organization of the federal government of the national government if this had been done it would doubtless have been interpreted into an entire dereliction of the federal principle and would certainly have deprived the state governments of that absolute safeguard which they will enjoy under this provision end quote so this is the safeguard i guess the safeguard is that the state governments they will almost have full power in the selection of the Senate, whereas with the House of Representatives, they have a certain power and extent, but they can, in uh, crisis-like scenarios, last resort scenarios, they can be superseded by the federal legislature, sure. So pretty much the Congress. Um, and that's, I think that's really what he's stating, stating. And once again, that's the, the principle of federalism. You got to kind of pass the, the power, you got to spread it around everywhere. So one branch doesn't overstep another branch, what have you. And now we're, we're away from that principle. Now we do not have the state legislature selecting our senators. So this is like a totally different system that we have set up here. So we've actually strayed further away from federalism as a principle. So Hamilton next he states, and I quote, The senators are to be chosen. For the period of six years, there is to be a rotation by which the seats of a third part of them are to be vacated and replenished every two years, and no state is to be entitled to more than two senators. A quorum of the body is to consist of 16 members. The joint result of these circumstances 
would be that a temporary combination of a few states to intermit the appointment of senators could near neither annul the existence not nor impair the activity of the body. So what he's saying is, and to put it simply, I don't know how it, how it really makes sense that it would be consist of 16 members because you got 13 times 2 would be 26. So it doesn't really make any sense that they're doing 16 members every three years. That's not really that important. So what he's saying is every every single senator runs a term of six years. Every single two year there will be a two year rotation. Um, in which there will be a re-election. So every single two years, they have this. They have you know the main election they call it, I guess, and then they call it the midterm election. So every single two years, there's like a serious election amongst all the states uh, across the board for senators, House of Rep members, but not the president. The president's every four. So I guess that's why they call it a midterm, and then like the main election or whatever. And then you have your individual state elections, whether it's your governorship. I know everybody has a different cycle. Uh, this next coming year, we're going to have a cycle for Governor Murphy in New Jersey. And I think we voted in Menendez a couple of years ago, and I don't know Booker. I think Booker just got reelected too, so we're really set in New Jersey with a couple. We're set for the future to be screwed. Uh, but he says, more importantly, every single two years, you're going to have a selection. And, and the point of having this is so that you don't have a new focus because if you had an election every six years considering it's a six-year term it's it's the idea of intermittent if you had every single six years if you had a full election you could have an entire almost entirely new senate body in there where they don't know what they're doing and there's no senior member to lead them and they would not be concerted uh, in that federal body, in that Senate body. So every single two years, they kind of had these midterms, you know, if somebody serves their six years, you know, in, in Dakota, North Dakota, and then uh, two years later, some other states are having re-election. So it's always kind of like a third. Every two years, a third of the Senate is either being, re uh, being elected or re-elected again because their terms are up. So it's kind of that intermittent idea where you don't have, you You always, no matter what, right after an election, you're going to have two-thirds of the Senate has already been there, and they're still in their seats, and then you're going to have one-third that could be entirely new. Just to kind of keep everything rolling, and it makes sense. It's for continuity reasons. So the reasoning behind the last statement is so that a few corrupt... Oh, wait, maybe I missed, I might have missed. Oh, a few, and this is another point that I actually didn't state. A few corrupt senators cannot impair the activity of the body of senators alike to the provision for the House of Representatives, which I think is uh, kind of important. So so if you had a new, a fully new body every single six years, then you can have a couple of bad seeds try to corrupt the entire group. If you have a group of one-third walking into two-thirds, that two-thirds is going to overrule the one-third, which is a good thing. So he goes on, he, now he's going to talk about the Federal House of Representatives. And I quote, But with regard to the Federal House of Representatives, there is intended to be a general election of members once in two years. If the state legislatures were to be invested with an exclusive power of regulating these elections, every period of making them would be a de delicate crisis in the national situation, which might issue in a dissolution of the Union. If the leaders of a few of the most important states should have entered into a previous conspiracy to prevent an election, I shall not deny that there is a degree of weight in the observation that the interests of each state to be represented in the federal council councils 
will be a security against the abuse of power over its elections in the hands of the state legislatures. So once again, he kind of hints at this, that every single state has an interest in being represented in the federal council. And that kind of works as a security uh, in abusing their power over elections. And then he also says every single two years, you're going to have these House of Rep members. If this was specifically uh, up to the states at all times to regulate this every single two years to get the state government together to figure it out might actually be a national crisis, especially at this time when there was, you know, there was horse and buggy. No one had cars to drive from one place to another. Uh, you know, being able to travel was nowhere near as, as smoothly as it is now, where everything's so interconnected, intertwined. You have the internet, you have email, you even have regular mail. Uh, there's just many more ways to communicate quicker than ever before, and in this case, this would be this would actually be a legitimate uh, crisis. If every single two years, it was is specifically up to the states and only the states to uh, figure the situation out. So he goes on, he states, and I quote. The people of America may be warmly attached to the government of the Union at times when the particular rulers of particular states, stimulated by the natural rivalship of power and by the hopes of personal aggrandizement and supported by a strong faction in each of these states, may be in a very opposite temper. End quote. So he says the people, they, they are to be, they may be actually warmly attached to the Union, the federal government, they may actually be happy with their federal government at times when their state governments are stimulated by this idea of rivalship of power, personal aggrandizement, strong factions that are within the state. Usually your allegiance as a uh, citizen of a state should be to the state government. But if the state government is, if they are partaking, and I guess adverse negative activities such as Gavin Newsom over in Cali, what's the other one's name, Michigan, Governor Whitmer, They've lost the trust of their people over there, so those people are probably much more likely to actually feel for a federal head that can rectify some of the issues. It's once the state government begins to overstep its boundaries, then they pretty much lose the confidence of the people. This really is what he's saying. So people might, might actually be more likely and more attached to the federal government in that case. So Hamilton concludes that without the provision of the federal government to alter elections if needed, that a few ambitious individuals can accomplish the dissolution of the union by discontinuing the members of the House of Representatives. And I think this this part's actually very, very profound, these next two quotes, and this is how he's kind of going to end it. Uh, he states, and I quote, This diversity of sentiment between a majority of the people and the individuals who have the greatest credit in their councils is exemplified in some of the states at the present moment on the present question. The scheme of separate confederacies which will always multiply the chances of ambition, will be a never-failing bait to all such influential mem uh, characters in the state administrations as are capable of preferring their own emolument and advancement to the public wheel, end quote. So public wheel, he always states that, meaning like the public welfare. I guess there was a kind of a saying back then. This this one is, is almost like, uh, it's in disguise. It's kind of subliminal. It's just the idea, if you try to relate this quote to modern times, what he's saying is you have a majority of the people in the individual states where they, they would want to take power away from the federal head, the federal government, and we actually really have to worry about this, and that's the reason for this provision here, right? But if you look at it in modern day times, 
it's the uh, it's completely the other way around. You have a bunch of people working in the federal government that are attempting to subvert the state constitutions and take the power away from not only the state constitutions, folks, but you have to also remember the citizens as well. The citizens' inherent rights. They're looking. We have the federal branch of the government right now at this time trying to take the rights away from the citizenry and the state governments, of course. And it's just, it's so it's so night and day between what is going on now in modern times comparatively to what was happening 200, 250 years ago, where the fight was, okay, we have to worry about some of these state governments trying to supersede their power, trying to step on the federal government, trying to step on the people themselves and their individual rights. Now it's the other way around where, you have to worry about the federal, I mean, you do have to worry about the state stepping on your rights as well, but you really have to actually worry about the federal government. When you think about how much money gets taken out of your paycheck, it's not mostly from the state government, it's mostly from the federal head. And I just think it's such a diametrical situation where one, it's just so different. It's a complete 180 that we've made over the last 250 years where the, the government power, everything, the power has been taken away from the individual and taken away from the state government. And it's been centralized in the federal head. I just think that's very uh, important that they were making all of these provisions thinking that the state governments were really going to attempt to take all the power for themselves. So he goes on the very end here. He discusses uh, some foreign powers. He states, and I quote, with so effectual a weapon in their hands as the exclusive power of regulating elections for the national government, a combination of a, a few such men and a few of the most uh, the most considerable states where the temptation will always be the strongest might accomplish the destruction of the union by seizing the opportunity of some casual dissatisfaction among the people and which perhaps they may themselves have excited to discontinue the choice of members of the federal house of representatives end quote oh, okay so the next one is i'm sorry the next one's about uh, some foreign countries trying to get involved in our politics so here is just pretty much saying if you're going to have a couple of bad apples, bad seeds that want to grab all the power for themselves and the state governments, and they're going to attempt to discontinue the choice of the members by some sort of a creating some sort of casual dissatisfaction amongst the people, kind of like how what our media does now. Our media stokes the flood the stokes the flames of division, as you know, like MSNBC would say or a liberal news outlet would say. But they actually truly do. They shape the public. And, and I don't even want to call it discourse because it's not discourse anymore. Uh, there is really no debates going on. That's that's what I would consider a discord where people would be able to argue back and forth. Now it's, it is not a discourse. It is we kick you off the platform. You get doxxed. Uh, people riot outside your house. They loot. They burn things down. They assault you. They accost you on the street. They malign you um, in modern day society, which is just, it is nowhere near what you would call a uh, discord really discourse over this past week and i'm gonna i just reported over this the weekend special like i said always i, I kind of record these beforehand but we've we've kind of we're very quickly devolving and unwrapping as a society and our moral fabric has been just unraveling at a uh, rapid pace which by the way check out the weekend special that's kind of what i'm going to be going over so to end and once again this is the foreign powers 
Uh, Hamilton, he briefly describes the foreign powers with an increasing object of jealousy will further attempt to exploit the United States, thus another necessity for this provision. And this one's pretty important as well. He states, and I quote, It ought never to be forgotten that a firm union of this country under an efficient government will probably be an increasing object of jealousy to more than one nation of Europe, and that enterprises to subvert it will sometimes originate in the intrigues of foreign powers and will seldom fail to be patronized and abetted by some of them. Its preservation, therefore, ought in no case that can be avoided to be committed to the guardianship of any but those whose situation will uniformly beget an immediate interest in the faithful and vigilant performance of the trust, end quote. So he's saying to preserve, we have to pick the right individuals to, to guard over the people, and the people's rights as well, and you know this is the way in which we uh, we compose the Constitution for this reason. But the more important thing is, if you sit here and you actually try to put this in a modern day scope, if you replace Europe, the nation of Europe, to an extent, Europe, yeah, maybe they're they're kind of trying to get involved in some of our cultural things more than really our politics. Uh, culturally, they're they're pushing us further and further to the left. If you take any anything from Europe which I don't think most people really care about what Europe's doing. But if you take the influence coming from China, on the other hand, uh, they are really attempting to destroy us from within in this country with a lot of this Marxist, communist ideology, this redistribution of not only wealth, but also of blame and of uh, the culture, which I once again, I go over this in the weekend special. So check that all out. I greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in to this one. I said it wasn't going to be that long, but it's about normal time, around 30 minutes. So thank you very much. Please like, share, subscribe, drop the mic, let people know about the podcast. Numbers are gaining quickly. F Facebook's been trying to screw with my screw with my numbers. They've been screwing with everything I've been doing. They're trying to take down uh, pictures that I'm putting up saying they're against community guidelines. They're trying to throttle my content, and then I have to go through the whole appeals process every single time, and then they put it back up, but then by that point... All the viewership is gone. So they're doing specific small little things to try to keep me down. So if you can please just, um, I humbly request, let people know about the podcast, pass it on to people, drop the mic, um, or what have you. So I greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in. I will see you all on Wednesday. Thank you. It's